Hello, and welcome to Returning to Us, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips for how to hack your brain, build and strengthen relationships, and to teach people how to recognize and neutralize their emotional states. I'll discuss emotional intelligence and regulation, how food and exercise impact the body and brain, and share lessons from my own lived experiences. I'm Lauren Spiegelmeyer, the founder of The Behavior Hub, which is an organization that works to reduce the stressors of raising and educating children through a brain and biology-based lens. In these episodes, I'll share stories and strategies from my own life, work, and research, answer listener questions, and wrap it up with a try-it-at-home tip. Decades worth of information in just minutes. You ready? All right, the last couple of episodes, we have been talking about behavior and how it gets to be helpful and cooperate and motivated and manage their emotions. And this is all based on multiple texts that I've read in the last couple of years about um, European parenting, Latin American parenting, ancient parenting. The books are Hunt Together Parent, Bringing Up Baby, Octyung Parent, There Is No Bad Weather, which is based on Scandinavian parenting. There's probably another one or two in there that I can't remember. (laughs) I think the Danish way of parenting. The Danish way of parenting is the one I kept forgetting. These episodes take out what I've read from those and have found really useful and align well to my research in neurobiology and neuroscience. So today we are going to go into kind of the beginnings of punishments and consequences. How on earth do we deal with misbehavior? We talked about how to you know, get kids closer to being helpful, how to get kids to cooperate, how to get kids to manage and deal with their strong emotions, how to motivate kids. But now we talk about when all those things don't work, how do we deal with the misbehavior? The one thread through all of those texts that I saw was, or that I read, that I noticed was that all of these cultures wanted to help their kids access thought Essentially, what they're saying is they wanted to help their kids access their executive functioning. If you take your palm of your hand right now and you stick it on your forehead, it's going to hit your prefrontal cortex. Your prefrontal cortex is the home of executive functioning. What is executive functioning? Higher order emotions, higher order thinking, logical thought, problem solving, rational thought, planning, organizing higher order thinking skills. These cultures help their kids develop executive functioning or to trigger thoughts. Why? Because when they trigger thought or access executive functioning or their prefrontal cortex, they develop better relationships. They get kids who are more independent, more autonomous. They get kids to listen and learn and cooperate right away. They get kids who are helpful, who are motivated, who want to do these things. And it's all by choice. There's a statement in the book, Hunt Gather Parent, that says we are, the goal is to encourage and guide over demand and force. We do a lot of demanding and forcing in education in America and a lot of demanding and forcing in in homes and raising children in America. Get closer to encouraging them and guiding them. They don't have the skill set yet. They need to learn it. We need to trigger thought. We need to help them develop their executive functioning skills. How on earth do we do that? I'm going to give you six ways to do that. The first of which goes back to 
my bringing a baby French reading, which is kind of learn the no or learn the look that says no. Why? In America, we say no, and it's not with conviction. So it does not work. Kids know that we don't really mean the no. In France, when the French parents say no, kids know they mean no, and they don't even try to mess with that. But if you're not confident in your no, which I thought I was until I used it the first time with my seven-month-old, and he laughed and did again, and he laughed again. I'm like, wow, my no is not with conviction learn the look. So I give the look a lot better than I say the no. The The look is the no look. And the, nook set, the look can say, absolutely not. Do not do that. Or the look could be approving and say, yeah, go ahead. The thing with the look is when it's a no look, it's hard to argue when there aren't words. When you don't say no and you don't use words and you just give the look, how are kids going to argue with no words? So it works very well. Learn and look or learn how to say no with conviction. The next one is, I think it's in, in Hunt Gather Parent Michelin talks about consequence puzzles. So these are like mind puzzles, word puzzles. You could say it's more of like giving them information or stating the natural consequence. Tell them the consequences of their actions. Tell them what will happen if they do the thing they're about to do or have done or whatever it is. Tell them the truth but avoid the word don't. Why? Because all of this provokes thoughts and provokes provokes executive functioning skills. So what will happen if they don't do blank? What will happen if they don't put their clothes in the hamper? Um, Well, or they don't do the laundry. Their clothes will stink and they'll have to wear stinky clothes to school. And kids don't like being around kids who wear stinky clothes and they won't want to play with them. So they won't have as many friends. That is a true and factual natural consequence. If you have stinky, stinky clothes, naturally, biologically, we're kind of repelled from that. And we're not going to want to be near that. If you leave food out, ants, bugs, whatever, can come into the house, cockroaches, maybe depending on where you live. If you leave toys out, they might get eaten by a dog or an animal or be broken, or they might just disappear. You got thrown away. What are the consequences of the action? Tell them the consequences. Don't tell them to not do something. Don't tell them um, in this long explanation of what could or should be. Don't try and convince them. Just tell them the consequences of their actions. Ask them questions as number three. You could say something like, who left out the food on the table? Who left out the toys on the floor? Who did insert whatever they did. You could also use the statement or script, what am I? Um, if you're holding their coat, what am I, a coat hanger? Um, if they leave food on the floor, what am I, a vacuum cleaner? Um, so kind of a little bit like sarcastic-y, humor but also thought-provoking. Gets them to think because you're asking a question. It is a prompt for them to consider their actions and the consequences of their actions. So questions can work really well. I also like to pair questions with my family values. So if a child is not doing something that I want them to do that aligns or misaligns with their family values, let's say kindness. I might say, who isn't being kind right now? Like if they're not sharing their toys, 
in this house, we are kind and we share our toys. Who isn't being kind instead of you're not being kind? That's very authoritarian. The question of who isn't being kind gets them to think, gets them to reflect, gets them to change their chemical makeup in their brain. Number four, teach responsibility. Give them more freedom and more control. Give them a job where they feel appreciated, where they feel like they have something to do, where they feel a sense of accomplishment because bored kids find trouble. We know that. And we think about it if you were an adult and I have experienced this recently in a career where I didn't feel like my skill set was being utilized. I felt like I was being very underutilized. So I felt bored some of the time or I just felt like the things that I was doing, they I could do them well, but I didn't necessarily enjoy them. I didn't feel like it was the best use of my skills. I didn't feel appreciated because of that. And in some senses, I didn't feel like I was doing the right work or enough work or my time wasn't being appreciated. So because of that, I got bored, I got resentful, and ultimately I left. Kids are the same way. Give them some sense of control by giving them responsibilities. And you can even use that um, as a reward too. So um, you could say something like, clean up your toys, then we can get in the tub. Then we can have the snack. It's not bribing them because you're not saying, if you clean up your toys, then I'll give you a snack. It's saying, it's being blunt. Clear is kind. Clear. Pick up your toys. We will have the snack. Um, And that's giving them a sense of responsibility. It's giving them a task to do, something they could do well, something that you need them to do. And then you can give them a proper, appropriate reward afterwards. And if you didn't listen to my episode on motivation, go back and listen to that because it talks a lot about rewards and praising. Number five, take action. Don't use words. So what this basically means is do the thing you want your child to do. Take the action yourself. And then maybe gently and kindly and softly, like a butterfly, I said this earlier, help your child and maybe even change up the environment. Don't ask questions, don't talk, just take action. Just do the thing, guide them, and that will get them to compliance a lot faster. If there are less words, there's usually less resistance because again, words are stimulating. We talked about this earlier. We use too much language. We try and kind of coax our kids into listening or behaving or doing the thing. If they don't do it, just start doing it yourself. So for example, if you have kids that um, aren't wanting to come eat because they're watching a show, I might just go sit down and start to eat. I don't need to say anything. I don't need to do anything. I'm just going to go do the thing that I want them to do and hope that they follow and listen. And if they don't, then I'll follow up with a different strategy. And if they don't, I might need to gently guide them. And I might need to change the environment. I'm not going to ask them questions. I'm not going to coax them. I'm just going to take action. I'm going to be clear and blunt, but also still, still kind. And number six is ignore. We talked about this a little bit prior episode, kind of planned ignoring, but only if and when the child is old enough for this. We we talked about mm, kids, it's appropriate to ignore when they have the skill set that they know how to kind of come off of or down from a tantrum or a misbehavior or whatever it is they're doing that typically happens loosely around six, seven. So not a great strategy if kids are younger than, than that. Um, 
but how do we deal with the behavior if they're old enough and we use ignoring, we just turn away and we be silent. We kind of look even over them. And you can, you can kind of use this with young kids. Like if it's a misbehavior, that's not necessarily, um, an intention getting behavior, or even if it is, uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to explain this. Uh, there's a good example in Hunt Gather Parent. I think uh, Micheline's daughter is like three and she keeps coming over to the guest and showing her something. Like It's like a drawing or something. And she's like all bubbly and wants the attention from the adult. And the adult kind of turns away, doesn't say a word. It kind of looks right over top of her, like not at her, but over top of her. And they're like blatantly and distinctly is ignoring her. And the reason being is because the child wants her attention. So if she gives her the attention in that moment, then she'll know that 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 behavior works and she shall have to keep doing it or she will keep doing it because it'll, it'll get the attention. So this woman ignores her. And then once she goes away, then she goes and gives her attention uh, when she's not seeking it. So that works a lot better. So in that situation, you know, the child's three, they're not necessarily having a breakdown or a tantrum. They're just showing one of these um, behaviors that are more annoying versus like a tantrum shouldn't ignore. We need to guide them and teach them through the tantrum. But in that situation where the child's just kind of loosely seeking attention and doing so in a more upbeat way, that would potentially be an appropriate situation to ignore. So ignoring is tough. It has to be the right kind of age or situation or scenario. It's not always the best strategy. And it's hard to, in the moment, determine is this the right time to ignore or not. So just be mindful of that one. That takes us to today's listener question, which is how do we get kids to listen? We just talked about this in many, many ways in the last couple of episodes. In today's episode, the biggest thing is stay calm. Keep yourself calm. That will keep them calm. Show them respect and communicate with respect. And try to add in some element of motivation, maybe an element of lightheartedness and fun and humor. So go back and listen to the episode on motivation, and that will give you a whole bunch of ideas. To wrap up our show, I'm going to share with you our try at home tip, which is the benefit of physical touch to getting kids to calm down or come out of an elevated state. Why? Physical touch releases all these calming endorphins if they're like a, a, a more pressure-based physical touch. If it's a more movement-based physical touch, like if you're going to swing a child around, that releases some happy chemicals in the brain and can bring them down from a heightened state as well. It's good for you as well as an adult. So hugs from people, getting a massage, getting a pedicure, manicure, whatever, where someone's touching your body. It's a more preventative act uh, or reactive. If you're in a stressed out state, it could bring you back down from being in that stressed out state. But using physical touch, both reactively and preventatively, both for adults and for kids. And that's it for today's episode of Returning to Us podcast. Remember our tried at home tip, which is physical touch. If you are looking for more support in the areas of stress, trauma, behavior, and the brain, I would love, 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 love to be a part of that journey. Whether you're a parent or a teacher, the Behavior Hub, the organization I created, offers a range of supports from coaching to workshops to training programs to online courses where you can get university credit. So hop onto the Behavior Hub website, schedule a discovery call with me, and we can talk about what is the next best step for you, what's the best pathway. And don't forget to lock in what you learned today by applying it right away. Share it with someone else. Each one, teach one, or comment below and let me know what you tried, how it worked, how it didn't work, where you need support. And until next episode, I am Lauren Spiegelmeyer, and thanks for joining me.